Hi guys, we are kicking off two-part series called Mind versus Soul. We want to shed light on what's happening with regards to mental health, especially anxiety and depression in the world presently. Amanda, let me share some statistics with you. So according to the National Alliance on Mental Illness, one half of all chronic mental illness begins by age 14, which is three quarters by age 24. Wow. According to National Institutes of Mental Health, depression is the leading cause of disability worldwide and is a major contributor to global burden of disease. According to the American Journal of Psychiatry and the U.S. Surgeon General reports, 90% of those who die have underlying mental illness. Suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the U.S., And according to the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, 60% of adults with illness did not receive mental health services in the previous year. And that's half, more than half. You think that it being so prominent, it's still a taboo subject in a lot of settings and communities. Mm -hmm. And today, you know, we have an awesome lineup for our listeners on this episode, Rachel Moreland, a popular writer and relevant magazine. A faith-based media platform, yes. And she's a huge advocate for mental health education. Not only does she give awesome tips and advice, but she's also going through it right now. So this is going to be a hard story. Please listen and be blessed. Rachel, within 30 seconds, tell us a little bit more about you. I'm Rachel Moreland. I'm a freelance writer and I work in marketing and communications for the Scottish Bible Society. We're a charity based in Edinburgh, Scotland, and I first moved over to Scotland about four years ago. Um, I should have only stayed for a year and a half, but I really fell in love with the country and stayed a bit longer. And I met my husband here, so I'm currently living as an expat abroad, and that's been a really cool adventure. Jealous. (laughs) Yeah, that must be very exciting. It is really exciting. Yeah, I I love it. Okay, so tell us more about your career path. You know, what were you doing before freelance writing and your current job? Yeah, I mean, freelance writing has always been something I've um, wanted to pursue. Writing has always been something I'm uh, really been passionate about. So kind of progressed that I would, you know, seek a role in the communications department. But before all of that, I uh, had originally attended James Madison University in Virginia um, for my undergraduate degree. And, and studied uh, politics, actually, <laughs> and uh, moved to Scotland uh, to pursue uh, another degree, just a master's degree in international relations. And that's kind of how I ended up here, actually. It was really just kind of a really random move <laughs> abroad. So. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. So with all of that said, you know, what are you most proud of? I think for me, it was chasing a dream that I had. So while I say that the whole move across to Scotland was random, um, I had for several years really wanted to move abroad after I studied at university level. I really thought, you know, I, I wanted to, to travel and I wanted to live abroad as an expat. I wanted to, to write things that matter to people and to write things that really encouraged people and, and helped people and knew that I could be part of that kind of overall vision. I think, I think, so I guess for me, yeah, just kind of, you know, not being afraid to take that leap of faith, because um, it, it really was kind of a scary move at the time to, to kind of just 
you know, say goodbye to family and friends and all the comforts that I had known and kind of venture into the unknown, if you will. Oh, wow. That's a leap of faith, <laughs> all right? <laughs> it doesn't sound like it because you actually enjoy it, right? Absolutely. It's like there's a passion behind it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, there's yeah, and and obviously how we got to know you was through your writing in you know relevant magazine, a very popular yeah. magazine that is faith based, and we noticed that a lot of your writings were about you know mental health, anxiety, and I know you're a big advocate for that. Yes. So um, we want to kind of dive into that aspect of it, yeah, since it. you write about uh, uh, write about it a lot. You've mentioned that yourself still have anxiety. That's right. And we kind of wanted to know the background of that. Like, when did you start noticing that you were having symptoms of anxiety disorder? Like, what made it different from, like, regular worry? Yeah, of course. My anxiety disorder was officially kind of diagnosed when I was 19 years old. So kind of six years ago. It kind of was the result of a very slow, gradual um, series of things. So for example, there was a period of time when I was a sophomore in college that I was having panic attacks almost daily. And I, I don't know if you've ever had a panic attack or, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to relay what it's like if you've never had one yourself, but it's a really frightening experience. Your, your body kind of has all of these physical symptoms like dizziness and you know lightheadedness and you, your heart's kind of beating out of your chest and you kind of feel just, I think what doctors describe as an impending doom. It, it just feels like the world is going to end in those kind of few minutes. I was, as I said, 19 at the time, and I was having these kind of on a daily basis and trying to manage, you know, a university degree and, you know, your social life and your church life. And then finding yourself suffering from daily panic was, was, was a real challenge for me. So it kind of started that way. And then it kind of manifested itself even more physically in that I really lost um, a lot of, of my appetite actually to eat. I was so anxious for periods of time that I, I had no appetite. I mean, I had no appetite for life, really. Just little things every day became a huge challenge. And it, it just required me to, to exert such energy just to even accomplish the simplest of tasks, like driving to the grocery store, for example. Um, but over, over those few first months, when I was kind of figuring out what was going on, I lost about 15 pounds in less than two months, which was really scary, you know, for me, but also for my parents and friends who were around me and, and they didn't really understand what was going on. They could only really see the, the out, you know, the outward, the external, you know, consequences of, of my anxiety. And I think for them, it was a really scary experience. So that was kind of the first initial phase was was me, um, you know, trying to navigate this, this panic disorder. And what kind of ended up happening was I would have a panic attack. And, you know, at the time, I didn't know what anxiety disorder was. I had no clue. I had no clue what a panic attack was. So I drove myself to the ER one night. I'll never forget it. It was in the middle of me studying for a, an, an exam. And I drove myself to the ER and, and the doctor did all kinds of tests, you know, to rule out other things. And he just kind of said, you know, I think there's something more going on here. And he started talking to me about anxiety. And looking back, you know, I think he was so right. You know, he hit the nail on the head. But at the time, I remember thinking, I'm not anxious. I don't have a problem with anxiety. But actually, I really did. It was something 
that really took over my life. You know, it wasn't just worry about little things here and there, but it was a behavior that I had acquired over time. And looking back, I think although I had been diagnosed at the age of 19, I think I probably had experienced anxiety for quite some time beforehand. Okay, so uh, from the experience that you had, did you open up to somebody eventually about it? Yeah, that took quite some time, actually, because I think at first I was quite reluctant to think that I was someone with a, you know, mental illness. There was such a stigma, and I think you could argue there still really is a stigma. Yes, yes. (laughs) For people who, who suffer from any kind of disorder like depression, anxiety, OCD. So I was really hesitant about who I opened up to, and I was still very reluctant to accept the fact that I was someone who was suffering from it. Um, but very slowly, I, I spoke to my mom about it, who, bless her, she was the one who dragged me into counseling. You know, I thank God for that because I, I did not go willingly at first. <laughs> I think she kind of stepped in when she needed to and dragged me to that counseling chair. But I, I slowly opened up to her and I slowly opened up to close friends. But I, I can recall so many conversations where they didn't quite get it. I think they were really struggling to really kind of wrap their minds around what this thing was. And to be honest, I was still trying to do the same for myself. So Rachel, speaking about opening up to people, can you tell us about an experience you had with like other Christians knowing about your anxiety? Yeah. So, I mean, in the past I had mixed reactions. So I opened up to my Bible study group about it. And, you know, people were so supportive. They, you know, they weren't judgmental. They understood that I have these feelings and that sometimes I have these feelings without reason or, you know, there wasn't necessarily a trigger. Sometimes there was. They kind of just accepted me for who I was and where I was in that moment. You know, they were, they were really, really modeling Jesus to me. You know, Jesus was always meeting people where they were at. You know, he just met them in their humanity, which I, I love that. And they really demonstrated that to me. But at the same time, I really struggled with a particular relationship in university. Um, There was a girl that I was really close friends with, and she really didn't understand what I was going through. And it actually, unfortunately, caused a kind of a fallout between us, because I think that she had believed that it was something I could control. She would use rhetoric like, oh, stop being anxious or "Oh, just stop having a panic attack. And, you know, anyone who knows anything about mental health or if you have a loved one who suffers from anxiety or, you know, panic disorder, you know that that's not the kind of rhetoric to use in those moments. It's actually not productive. If anything, it can actually hamper that person even more. So I've had experiences with both good and bad, but I think the good experiences have definitely outweighed the bad ones. Yeah. And I love your perspective on dealing with this. In fact, actually, what inspired me to reach out to you was, you know, the article that you had in Relevant Magazine, which was When God Won't Take Away Your Anxiety. And you were pretty much telling everybody that this is something you're still dealing with. A lot of people out there, they mention, oh, how I dealt with this, how I came out of it, you know, versus no, I'm actually in it, Mm -hmm. you know, but what inspired you to just be so open about your current situation? Yeah. And, you know, I'm so glad you reached out to me. That was such a blessing. I mean, that, that is the reason that I even do this in the first place is I had always said that if I wanted to write, I wanted to write to encourage people. Because I think when I look back at those times at university, at times in my young adult life, 
where I really needed someone to encourage me in my anxiety. I really struggled to find that. I really struggled to find people out there who wrote articles, who wrote about their personal experience. So I think that's what I was trying to do here. I wanted to be really, really raw with people and say, look, just because you're struggling with something, just because you're going through it, it doesn't mean that you're a failure. It doesn't reflect about your lack of faith. I think for me, I was always told, write what you know. I think that's a Hemingway quote. So I thought, what, what do I know best? I know about my experience as a Christian who suffered with anxiety disorder. And I wouldn't say that I still have a disorder to this day, but I definitely struggle with anxiety from time to time. But that transition of going from a disorder to you know, experiencing anxiety on occasion, that was a real process. And I think I wanted others to know that that's okay. It's okay to have these, these bumps in the road. You know, it doesn't say anything about your lack of faith. It doesn't say that you're not praying hard enough. I think if anything, the main thing I wanted to do was to open a discussion, to have an open dialogue between the church and communities who, who deal with mental health. Because unfortunately, I do think there is a chasm between the two. And, and I don't think there has to be, but I think there is. I think you've got some people who say, okay, you've got anxiety. You need to pray more. You know, you need to have more faith. You know, you need to trust yeah, exactly. God more. And, <laughs> and then you have the other side, which would say, no, you know, you need, you just need to get some medication and do all this. And, and they completely ignore the other. And I think actually we need to be meet, meeting somewhere in the middle. There is room for God in the mental illness discussion. You know, there's really yes, God we agree. Yeah. Jesus Definitely. knew what it was like to be anxious. You know, that that's in that's in the Bible when he's at Golgotha. You know, he, it talks about how in the garden before he was crucified, he he sweat tears of blood. I mean, that's that was real fear and anxiety. He he gets it. I think so often we think in the church that to be leaders, to be communicators, to be driving this generation, we've got to have it all together. And that's just not right. That, that, that's not true. You know, God uses us in our humanity. He meets us where we're at, whether that's in brokenness, in times of anxiety, in times of depression. He uses us where we are. And I think, you know, it wasn't really to blow my own horn, but it was just to say, look, like God can even use me in this article to help other people just to be encouraged. And I don't have it all together. So if anything, it was just to, to kind of open that dialogue. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. So can you briefly, you know, just highlight some key points from that article that you would really love for people to hear? Yeah, no problem. I guess the first thing is is to realize that, you know, if you struggle with, with any kind of mental health disorder, like if you have anxiety, if you struggle with depression, if you have OCD behaviors, that doesn't mean that God won't use you. God uses all sorts of people. We just have to look to the Bible to see that. You know, he uses people from all walks of life with all kinds of, of struggles. And I think that's extremely encouraging. I think, too, suffering from a disorder like anxiety or depression, that doesn't mean that you have a lack of faith. You know, that, that doesn't mean that um, you're not praying enough or your faith isn't great or that you're not a good Christian, if you will. And I, I say that because I've heard people say that in the church. Yes. You know, oh, you, you, you have anxiety. That's a sin. I would definitely argue the opposite. Um, I think, you know, these are just all things a result of the fall. It's, it's the same thing as 
you know, you would never get upset at someone if they came to you at church, they came forward and they said, I want to have prayer about my chronic back pain. But for some reason, we, we, we don't think that we can pray about these things, you know, mental illness. I just want to make sure that people realize that we ought to be treating mental illness the same we do physical illnesses. Yes. Because they are the same in the sense that people need treatment. People need them. To, it needs to be addressed. And it's still okay to pray about these things. Absolutely. I would never say to someone, don't be praying about your anxiety. I think go to God in those moments of anxiety and he'll meet you there. But I definitely think don't discard treatment either. From my own personal experience, I relied heavily on CBT counseling and that was a lifesaver. I'm so glad I went through counseling for years. For some people, it will require a combination of counseling and medication, and that's good too. Some people need to have medication to help cope with symptoms. Some people need medication just to do daily activities. And do you know what? That is totally fine. It's, it's, you know, mental illness is so individualistic. Yeah, you, have right. to, you have to really take an individual approach to each case. And, you know, depending upon what that person needs, their, their treatment plan would be, you know, would require them to either do counseling you know, or medication or a combination of other things. And I think we need to have a more practical approach to mental illness, the same way we would approach any kind of physical illness. I think the church has a really great responsibility to, to kind of lead that conversation. So you mentioned different resources like counseling and, of course, you know, medication, things like that. And, of course, your article on when God won't take away your anxiety is a huge resource for people dealing with mental health issues. So do you have any additional resources that you would like to share with our listeners today? Yeah, you know, one that comes to mind is a great community called Where I Stand. It was actually created by a friend of mine from university. Her name's Erin Casey, and she is just amazing. She started Where I Stand, I believe, during her, her final years of university. And it's an online community that shares information, articles, and yeah, just all kinds of great resources about mental health. You know, if you're a loved one and you have a friend or a loved one, sorry, who has anxiety or depression and you don't know how to relate to them, you don't know how to really understand their perspective, I would go to that website. There are some great resources just to be educated. You know, what is mental illness? What does it look like? You know, what are some of the symptoms of anxiety? What are some of the symptoms of depression? I would definitely check out where I stand. Um, they're, they're just a great resource for education and just a great community resource as well. There's so many people on that website that just come along alongside each other and encourage each other in their own struggles. And so it's just a great online community to be a part of if, if that's something that you're looking for. For me personally, I read a lot of books. That was something that I did. One, because I just love to read, but also it really helped me understand different perspectives on mental health and faith. And, and one of them in particular that was really, really helpful was God on Mute which is a, a book written by a guy named Pete Gregg. He's the founder of 24-7 Prayer Movement. And the book recounts Pete Gregg's own personal experience um, with his wife, who actually suffered a brain tumor and as a result has some form of epilepsy. And he talks about how he prays and prays and prays for his wife's relief from this um, disorder and from this disease, and, and his prayers aren't answered. And he talks about where is God in the midst of suffering? Why does it happen? How do we as Christians cope with suffering? How do we meet that? How do we engage with God? And for me, I think that was always a huge question I had. 
why was God allowing me to, to feel these feelings of anxiety? Why would I have these panic attacks? How do I engage with God in prayer when I feel like my prayer isn't being answered? That to me was, was a huge, a huge part of my recovery was reading. And that book really played a part in, in terms of um, there was kind of a paradigm shift in my mind of who I thought God was. And now who I, I know who God is, who is, you know, he is someone who, who grieves with us when we suffer. And, you know, he wants to, you know, as I said in my article, he, he meets us in our humanity. He wants us to cling to him in those moments. Um, so that book for me, I think is great for anyone who has, has questions about, you know, why am I suffering with this sort of thing? You know, why do people suffer? Why do prayers go unanswered? Why are some people, you know, why do they suffer with a disorder for years and have no relief? I would definitely check out that book. Oh, nice. Oh, thank you so much. That's a lot of resources. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> uh, we really appreciate your time today and all your knowledge and all your resources and for taking your time to explain and describe to us what dealing with anxiety feels like and what to look for in it and how to get treatment for it. These are just all valuable gems that people really need to hear and we really appreciate you for that absolutely it was a pleasure to come on with you guys thank you so much for inviting me i, I just really enjoyed it <laughs> <laughs> thank you and uh, for our listeners all the mentioned resources are going to be on our website and we're also going to give you a link to her blog rachel do you want to mention your blog yeah it's called with love from rachel um, it's just my own personal blog it's got lots of articles on different aspects of life so faith lifestyle and mental health so yeah check it out Yes, guys, check it out. And we have a closing question that we're going to ask all our speakers. And it is, if you had a day with God, what question will you ask him? And why? Oh, that's a hard one, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I would probably ask him why he let the fall happen. Why did he create the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Why did he give man that option to eat the apple and then for the fall to happen as a result? That would be my question. Oh, that, that's, that's actually a, a good that's question. A really good question. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Hope well, that's okay. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. We'll definitely be keeping you updated with everything happening on Millennial Faith Podcast. Fantastic. Thank you so much. I really appreciate awesome. it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This concludes our time with Rachel Moreland. On our next episode, we will discuss with Ayo Kunle Falomo, a talented poet with education and training in psychology, and who was recently a speaker on TED Talk Houston. Make sure you listen in on that conversation. Here's a preview. To escape with the wind, this never-ending breath, a song sung in the key of a life, come here. Let us make the whole world a dance floor. Come, dance with me. Hold my hand. Trust. I understand. And for the things I don't... For all resources, check out our website and we would love your feedback. You can send an email to hello at millennialfaithpodcast.com or you can tell us what you think on our social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Till then, catch you next time on Millennial Faith Podcast. <laughs>